Welcome everybody to the sixth episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. We are a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anyone science adjacent and perhaps even hobbyists. My name is Susanna and I am here with my co-host Jeroen. Hi. Today we're going to be talking about some cutting edge research. So cutting edge that we didn't even know anybody had to research it. That's true. We're going to have some fun this episode, so please join us for some laughter. Susanna's already gotten started. (laughs) Yeah, let's start. Okay, so Jaron, you found this paper. Correction, Facebook provided me this paper. Yes, it was promoted on Nature's. Yeah, Nature's Facebook page as a quick post. Wow. Yes. Okay, what's it called? Plant scientists' research attention is skewed towards colorful, conspicuous, and broadly distributed flowers by Adamo et al., published in 2021. Wow. Yes. And just to clarify, it's not about plant research. It's about the plant scientists and their research focus. So what it's saying is that plant scientists are biased for pretty flowers. Pretty abundant and very clear flowers that are also tall enough that you see them, yes. Because? As we'll get into. <laughs> this Look, I can't explain this entire methodology just like very quickly like that. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. we have to go through the entire paper. Of yes, course. it's a brief communications paper published in Nature Plants. Like, I can't just tell you the entire conclusion. Just How off. long is this paper? Not that long, actually. Oh, okay, it's, brief. Yeah, it's, it's very like brief, you know. Four and a half pages yeah yeah give or take yeah yeah densely compact with lots of research okay yes and uh, you're going to tell us about this today and i'm going to be laughing mostly well it's very detailed stuff so uh, (laughs) i think maybe first things first why did anyone need to research potential biases of plant scientists towards their research focus um well, they sort of make the case in like the introduction that unlike studying plants in a lab or in a greenhouse, scientists are might be influenced when they're in the field by other things outside of their control, other than just maybe how rare a plant is, if it's on like the con- list of cons- uh, conservation for a specific plant, or if it's actually useful for anything. Mm-hmm. So that already, so there are just different factors affecting what plants get researched. Sure, sure. Uh, But in addition to that, uh, how much research is available on a plant can also influence whether or not uh, uh, how much how much resources actually get delegated to conserving that plant species or different species of animals and plants uh, together. So if you imagine that there's just a limited pool of money and resources available for keeping specific wildlife or plant species alive, uh, the less research there's focused on this uh, specific plant less people might know that, hey, this plant is going extinct or isn't doing well. It might be useful for something. Uh, So they're not delegating money or attention to it. Wow, that's actually pretty serious stuff. (laughs) Yes, I was actually surprised too. (laughs) When you first read the article, the the title, you don't think about that. And it's like, wait a minute. Huh. (laughs) Okay, okay. That's actually a good point. So that that sort of warms you up. So we shouldn't be biased. Well, we can still be a little biased when we... <laughs> but no, like, uh, there's more to this than just the initial title. I think the title does help sort of get your attention. It's like, wait, what am I going to read about here? But yeah, it's actually an interesting-ish paper. Uh, okay, okay. 
So in order to research whether or not there were sort of biases uh, affecting plant scientists, which is still a weird term because there's actually a term for them, namely botanists, but they decided to just call all plant scientists plant scientists. Everybody uh, wants to be a scientist. Yes, plant scientists. Scientists. Plant, lung scientists, eyeball scientists, you know, scientists. Yes. But yeah. So the way they decided to go about researching whether or not there were biases uh, impacting how scientists research plants or pick plants for research, uh, they decided to look at a big overall uh, area where there, where there are lots of plants and specifically uh, 113 plant species, which were typical of the Southwestern Alps. And the reason that they picked the Southwestern Alps was because a, it's a very big area with a broad uh, range of plants. Mm -hmm. uh, and also by picking plants of just this region, they sort of uh, uh, correct control for confounding factors like sampling bias or trait heterogeneity or even uh, different scientists just having a specific research interest already. So they sort of control for these potential things. Uh, so that's the area that they decided to focus on. From there, they looked at 20... 280 articles that were published on Web of Science on these 113 species of plants that are present in that area okay. over the last 45 years that they... Uh, That's extensive. Yeah, so it's basically the entire period of 1975 up until 2020 that they looked at 280 articles uh, on different plants from that region. Um, so yeah, they're in, they're goal was to test whether or not there's a relationship between research focus and specific traits of the different plants in that region uh, using the using different bibliometric indicators very technical term there wow i know right and yeah what does it mean though <laughs> well bibliometric is more like uh literature so okay, okay. just yeah they did a lot of re literature research and found the for example, uh, H index uh, for different papers or uh, how many times they were cited, stuff like that. Those things are bibliometric indicators. Uh, and yeah, for plant traits, they looked at, for example, the ecology of the plant. So for example, uh, the minimum altitude that you can find that plant at or the maximum altitude. Or how high you need to climb, basically. Yes. Okay. So that's basically the ecology. For They also looked at the morphology of the plant. So the color of the flower, the stem size, how long the flower duration is, these kinds of things. And lastly, the rarity of the plant. So whether or not uh, it's on the conser conservation list, uh, whether, uh, yeah, what the range disper dispersion of the plant is across that entire region, stuff like that. Okay. So those are the big three sort of species-specific traits for each plant that they looked at and try to correlate it to how many citations uh, for each plant there was. They took this pretty seriously. Yeah, they took this very seriously. Uh, so, yeah. Their data analysis, took. they used R for this, and in order to sort of get like a decent, uh, to balance out the different plants, they sort of just grouped them based on uh, different colors, for example. So you had green and brown plants uh, that they grouped together, and these sort of formed like their baseline comparison group because they're sort of the background color if you think about just walking around in the... Very, in the Alps. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. So they don't stand out that much, is the idea, compared to, for example, other group, groups of plants like blue plants or red and pink plants or whitish flowery plants. So, okay. yeah, so those are the big groups of 
different uh, colored plants that they looked at. And if you come, if you go back to sort of like the big traits, like the ecology and the rarity and the morphology, each of those things also have sub, uh, yeah, factors or parameters that they looked at. For for example, ecology, the minimum altitude and the maximum altitude. Uh, obviously, there's like some correlation between the minimum altitude that you would find the plant and the maximum altitude that you mm-hmm. would find the plant. So they corrected for uh, how correlated some of those things are so they don't have any redundant uh, parameters in their analysis. And they took the green-brown plants as their sort of baseline control. Uh, and because also, in terms of research attention, there are different metrics that are very correlated with each other. So they decided to just use total number of publications on a specific plant as the main result for research attention mm-hmm. uh, instead of also taking a long average annual citations, for example. Uh, and they tried using variance partitioning analysis, which I'm still not very familiar as to what exactly it does. <laughs> um, and they, corre- they pr- used marginal R-squared and conditional R-squared to analyze that in more detail. Okay, okay. And then lastly, they'll do a generalized linear linearized mixed model mixed model or GL, GLMM and that they'll sort of see which things sort of contribute which model best predicts how much a plant is studied using which factors, so color for example or stem size or altitude for example. So I'll get into that just a bit. So just to summarize, they did a lot of bioinformatics. I wouldn't really say it's more like statistical analysis, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So given that they had, they basically collected this from different databases and stuff like that to get all the necessary information, mm-hmm. and they scraped from Web of Science to get all the articles and. So using the variance partitioning analysis that I mentioned earlier, they noted that basically the greatest proportion of variance could be explained by just aesthetics, so the morphology of the plant, and not necessarily the ecology or the rarity of the plant. Which, so how pretty they are. Yeah, basically. Okay. So, or some, not necessarily the prettiness, but like if it's big or small or these kinds of things. Which is a little concerning because you would imagine maybe more research focus would be spent on a plant if it's like near extinction or you want to conserve that plant or if it's useful for something, you know? Mm-hmm. So but so that's a little concerning. Um, but so that was what they uh, concluded from sort of the marginal R-squared analysis with the partitioning uh, analysis. Uh, then they decided to reassess that uh, using the conditional R-squared. Uh, and what this meant was that uh, there was just certain clusters of plants that are very closely related that are more studied than other plants that have similar traits. So, We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in our AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph. 
completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. Maybe for the listeners, if they want to look at this article specifically, they could look at figure 2B. Uh, there they show like a figure of uh, several different plants. Um, I'm not going to say those Latin names of those plants because I'll probably butcher them. But there is one that essentially just looks like a blue sort of starfish flower. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe that one. There's one that I sort of just look think, look and think that it's a sort of budget sunflower. And there's one that's a very sad, sad sort of... It's definitely sad. <laughs> sad sort of Venus flytrap situation. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can see that, yes. But so what they they sort of try to indicate with this, um, this figure, especially 2B, is that, for example, these plants, they have similar stem size, uh, and they're also sort of relatively equally distributed among the southwestern Alps. Mm-hmm. And their main distinction is that their colors are different. And you, what you'd see is that the blue sort of rose flower uh, plant. The starfish one. Yes, that one is much more researched or has much more, got, gets much more publications than the really ugly Venus flytrap situation plant, which is Just a green based and brown. On color. Yes, that was the strongest indicator for that plant, as you see. Wow. Yeah, so it's uh, the most significant result out of that analysis. Uh, they also saw that um, the, I believe it was the red and pink plants as well were also significantly um, different than the green and brown plants. So again, color playing a big role there. And they also saw a uh, not super strong uh, relationship, but significant relationship between the stem size of the plant. So how tall the plant actually was. And they this they theorized had to do with how much work it was for a field scientist to sort of squat down to reach the plant. Oh my god. Versus just sort <laughs> of yes. Lazy scientists. Well I can also imagine I haven't <laughs> been to the southwestern Alps, but I can imagine once you're there scouring the place for different types of plants, maybe that's <laughs> you know you might cut some corners there. <laughs> So yeah, that uh, oh, 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 oh. yes, the 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 ease of access to the plant in terms of its stem size or stem height, and, and the color, and the color were some of the biggest uh, contributing factors. Okay, and then the researcher particularly liked the blue and maybe a little the red pinkish one. Yes. Okay, yeah. but not the yellow or the white or the green. No, at least those did not turn out to be significantly different. So yeah, okay, it was, yeah, it was mostly the red and pink. And white and the blue ones being more studied compared to the green and brown population of plants. So yeah, that uh, that was 
some necessary insights that we got out that of that. That was the main the main message. That was the main message. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought more was coming. <laughs> you, you thought there was a kicker. Well, they they used, but yeah, they sort of used that GL GLMM model to really show that those were the individual factors that were playing the biggest roles, though, in terms of, um, yeah, research focused by plant scientists, apparently. Okay, okay. But, I mean, they were right. I mean, scientists yeah. are biased. Yes, but I wonder, though, how much that actually translates to all of the field, because they only looked at plants in one specific region right now. Mm, sure, sure. So it I could guess also the region is a big... Yeah, it, it's a very diverse region, so I understand why it's just a big database of plants and different plants. So I understand why they did it. Yeah, but I do wonder, like, how much of this is actually translatable to different or to all of the plant scientists in the world, right? Like, they looked at a very specific region, and in this case, with a broad uh, 113 species, blue plants win. <laughs> but maybe in different regions where they're also quite diverse group of plants it might be slightly different where color is not important well i'm not sure i mean of course as a scientist you always have to sort of choose what your next paper is going to be about mm. and i think all scientists are a bit biased towards things that are cool and fancy and mm. maybe look pretty in this case plant scientists i think all scientists are a bit biased potentially but I, I, I did find it a little concerning, though, that the scientists didn't really... If you're going to be biased, maybe focus on the plants that are, like, you know, on the conservation Special. list. Yes, like, really, or functional in some ways. Like, <laughs> this one is blue. We did it, guys. High impact journal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it doesn't work like that. But uh, No, I know, but, like... Yeah. And, and stem size is definitely also an interesting one. <laughs> yes. They they do give like a, a slight tangent as to like they think that scientists, that the stem size would uh, impact scientists, like that they need to crouch down to reach the plant or it's easier to find the plant like that, which was a very small tangent in this already short paper. So it was it was a journey. Uh, why why did they wanna why did they make this paper? Why research this? Well, obviously it's because they want to tackle taxonomic discrimination, as they indicate. Uh, uh -huh. as you know, animals get much more attention and much more <laughs> conservation funds than plants do. Uh -huh, uh -huh, so uh -huh. this paper works to focus on plants and balance that out a little bit. But really, in the acknowledgments, <laughs> they uh, clearly state that it was a um time-burning activity during corona that they couldn't actually <laughs> go out to do field research so oh they couldn't actually go to the plant so they did some bioinformatics yes they did a lot of wow. mining and scraping and coming up which i mean it does provide some insights i guess yeah but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well i mean it's enough to get you on nature's facebook page i mean it's yeah. it's it's published in Nature Plants, but it was on Nature's uh, Facebook page promoted. So yeah, I mean, I mean, Nature Plants apparently has an impact factor of thirteen, so they're doing pretty okay, I think. Wow. Yeah. Anybody can publish in Nature except for us. Yes, and oh. so it seems <laughs> we need to tackle taxonomic discrimination here. Maybe we should make a paper about biased uh, biochemistry um, <laughs> researchers. Clearly, too many people are focusing on lipids and... and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. 
But yeah, that uh, diabetes—that's a novel field. Extremely novel. You and you know, when type two diabetes is solved, you can jump to type one. There you go. <laughs> Extremely novel. Extremely and maturity novel. onset diabetes of the young. We can keep making up diabetes things if we go along here. <laughs> we got it all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it was more than I expected. Yes, paper. I mean, when you first just see the title, you're like. What? And then, wow, they actually did a lot of work uh, and stuff like that yeah. for a quote-unquote just a time-burning activity. But yeah, but then in the end, the conclusion was just that blue flowers and, and long longer flowers were more attractive. So researchers more, yeah. they're easier, were biased They stand out and they're easier. Well, what I will take uh, away from this paper, though, is that researchers are biased. And I think that's that's definitely true in I many mean, ways. We need to verify this. We need to go to the Southwestern Alps ourselves and see just how easy it is to find these plants. Versus, <laughs> We will definitely go hi hiking in the Alps. Maybe this summer, if we can get to it with Corona and everything, we'll do that. Oh, we're going to the Alps now? <laughs> <laughs> well, since you've brought it up, I mean, uh, let's do it. For research. For research. Yes, our follow-up <laughs> episode on the <laughs> oh, Probably not. Maybe we can expand, like, a, we can also do our own uh, review on uh, different plant scientists. Uh. <laughs> See how many plant, plant scientists we run into, you know? Yeah, how many field researchers <laughs> actually are there? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, that was actually fun. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I, Thank I worked you. hard. <laughs> Yes. All yes, my yes. note taking. Yes, it was amazing. Yes. And a lot of laughs. A lot of lot of laughs. I needed that. Okay. So that was a fun episode again. Let's do this again soon. Uh you can reach us on Facebook, Struggling Scientist Facebook group. Uh or you can email us at uh, struggling scientist at hotmail.com. And we hope to see you next time. Bye. Bye.